Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Okay, so we're in week number four of our series called Decisions of the Daring. The reason we wanted to spend um, like a month or so, a month or more, talking about the idea of being daring and being bold and being courageous is uh, because life will require it of you and I at many times. Life will often throw us curveballs and situations will prevent, present themselves to us where we'll have to f- dig into our resources of our emotions and our mentalities to find our courage and find our boldness to confront. It's not always life and death things, and it's not always glamorous things that often, you know, movies and stories are written out about brave and courageous endeavors. They're not always the extreme stuff that can stories be told about. Sometimes the daring decisions are every day, and, and you and I are every single day confronted with opportunities and, op- and moments where we can decide either to take the easy way out or to take the daring way in. And so we've been looking at how does our faith, how does faith intersect? How does God intersect with the areas of our life that, that courage and boldness is required? Because the thing is, often when courage is required of us or boldness is what is necessary in any given moment, usually we, we find our resources of courage and boldness in areas that we are somewhat experienced in or confident in or talented in, right? So you, you're confronted with something and you need to make the bold decision. You, you look for the areas of your life where you have a measure of confidence, like what am I skilled at or what am I gifted in? And so when life draws upon you to be bold, you find you lead into the areas that you have some resource to pull on, right? Like for, for example, okay, one of, one of the most boldest things you probably ever did was go on a first date, right? That's often one of the most fearful things that everyone can do. You meet someone, it's like, we've got to go on this Got to go on a date, right? And to find the, the courage and the boldness to go on a first date, often you've got to lean into, you know, what your thing is, right? So, for example, you, you might not, like, if, you're, if it's the first date and you're young, like, you might not own a house yet. So it's like, I can't bring the house to the table to impress this person. But you might have a plan, right? So you lean into your plan. You're like, I've got these goals and I'm studying and I'm saving or whatever. Or maybe, maybe you go to a first date and you're like, I'm not the best looking person in the world, so that's not exactly the area I've got to draw upon, but I, I do know I'm the kindest and smartest and funniest person on the planet. So, you know, you got what I'm saying, right? You'll, draw, you'll try to find your confidence in the resources that you have. Or maybe you're nervous before some uh, opportunity where you need to step up or you need to perform. Maybe it's uh, in an exam or presentation at work or even a job interview. And so you lean into where you're confident. You've studied or you've researched or you've practiced and so our boldness in life, we usually draw upon some measure of skill or experience or talent that we have to find our courage. But what happens when you have nothing to draw on and you are faced with a decision to make or a situation in life and it requires boldness on your end, and it requires you doing something courageous and doing it fearfully, but what if you have no experience and no resource to draw upon? And here's my question I want to ask us today to begin with. It's can faith in God, can your faith in God contribute to the courage that you'll need in life? Is there something about your relationship with your heavenly father that can play a vital role in you discovering some deep, deep needed resources to find your courage and your boldness that life will inevitably require of you? 
Is there something in Christianity, and maybe you're someone here that's curious about faith or maybe a skeptic about Christianity, maybe you don't even believe in God, but yet your curiosity has led you here today. And maybe the reason you're here today is because you're confronting a moment in your life right now that is requiring something of you that you don't have to give. And so it led you to ask questions about faith. I'm so grateful you're part of this conversation now. And to this question, can faith in God contribute then to the courage that you're finding you need in life? Men and women, the good news is men and women throughout all of history and throughout all walks of life will answer this question with a resounding yes. There, you will find so much through faith in God that you can tap into to find the courage that you will need in life. And where I want to begin today, I mean, I ran out of stories and illustrations. And again, you've read them all and you've heard a lot. You've, many of you have experienced them, even yourself, to illustrate this. But a good place to start is right at the beginning, right at the beginning of the, the story of Christianity. Now, Christianity did not begin with a book. Christianity did not begin with the Bible. It's in the Bible we have today with an Old Testament, a New Testament, all neatly bound together. But what gave birth to that book was an event. And the event was the resurrection of Jesus. And so the gospel accounts, which were, were written by eyewitness, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, written by these men who had eyewitnessed the resurrection of Jesus. They wrote these accounts after they saw Jesus resurrected. And what I want to do today is begin at the at the story of how the church started, New Testament church, in the book of Acts, it was written by Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It was kind of like part two of the gospel of Luke. And Jesus has been resurrected. And you find, we pick up the story here where Peter and John, who were two of Jesus' first disciples, um, and the word apostle means witness to the resurrection. So they were known as apostles. And the church was just starting to get off the ground. Peter and John were heading into, um, <laughs> heading into the temple to pray. They see a man who'd been born paralyzed, never been able to walk, and he was over 40 years of age. And he's there asking for money. And so they go, we don't have any money, but we saw Jesus heal a lot of people, and we're going to do the same thing. So pray for the guy, and he gets healed. And it blew everyone's mind because they'd seen this guy for 40 years every day begging at the front of the temple, and now he's jumping and dancing and leaping, praising God. So all the people are gathering now, Peter and John going, who are you and what are you about? And they began to tell them, don't look at us, <laughs> look at Jesus. This is, about, this is about the person of Jesus. So they gathered this huge crowd around them. And, um, and obviously the hierarchy of the day, the hierarchy of the temple, which, which was kind of the, 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 the real seat of power in ancient Israel, they obviously weren't impressed. And now they thought they'd snuffed out Jesus. They thought Jesus was done and dusted. And now here were his followers now doing the same things that Jesus had done. And they get arrested and here's where we pick up the story. It says the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees, they were one of the ruling religious classes in ancient Israel. They came up to Peter and John where they were speaking to all the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. So they hold him in jail. The next day, they bring him out before the courts and they start challenging him. You know, what, what happened here with this man? And they're like, Jesus healed the man. You asked us what happened. We're just going to tell you. The man was healed. And they're looking around and they're like, it's hard to refute that because he's walking. And everyone knew the guy. He'd never walked for 40 years. So they're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And so Peter and John just boldly preached Jesus, even though they knew it could cost them everything. And, and here's how they responded to what they shared. It says, when they, meaning the ruling class, the priests, the guard, the Sadducees, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized, this is so important, that they were unschooled 
They weren't educated. They weren't religious scholars. They weren't rabbis. They were unschooled. They were ordinary men, meaning they didn't have positions. They didn't have titles. They weren't part of the Sadducees or the Pharisees or the scribes. They were just working men. They were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The evidence that these men had great faith in Jesus, the evidence that these men had seen a resurrected Jesus was that they had great courage. And these men were left astonished, not because of their great experience or the talent or their education, but simply because of their courage. Now, it's worth noting this, that their courage in this instance is one of the greatest evidences that we have for the resurrection of Jesus. Again, if Christianity is founded on an event, the resurrection of Jesus, well, it's pretty important that we have a good firm grounding and foundation on, well, can we trust the eyewitness accounts? And this is something I try and add as often as I can. And when we talk about this on a Sunday, because I think it's important, I understand if you're someone here that wouldn't consider yourself a Christian and have some legitimate questions about, can Scripture be trusted? Did Jesus really, did he live? Did he die? Did he actually, was he resurrected? Which is a real question. Um, One of the greatest evidences we have is actually the courage we see here. Which understand is this, no movement, no movement through history, whether political or religious or otherwise, so early into its, into its infancy, so early into its creation, would ever survive the death of its leader so soon or the death of its founder. And here was Jesus who barely three years had begun his ministry. And yet here were his followers if, if he only died and wasn't resurrected, they would have no choice. They would have no chance to be courageous or bold. If anything, it would be the opposite. And we see this when Jesus was arrested. If you've, read, if you've read the accounts in the Gospels, the first things his disciples did, even though they'd been with him for three years, the first thing they did was they bailed. They ran, they hid. In fact, Peter, who this story is centered around here, he is well known as denying Jesus. Jesus was on trial and when Jesus... When, when, when people came up and asked Peter, and weren't you one of his followers? Three times, and Jesus predicted this. Three times, Peter was like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. In fact, in fact, the Gospels go far to record who was one of the people who asked Peter. One of the people who asked Peter, the Bible is very descriptive, saying he was a young girl. So even to a young girl, a grown man went, oh, no, I wasn't a follower of Jesus. Like the guy was the opposite of bold. The guy was the opposite of courageous. That was just from Jesus being arrested. Then when Jesus died and he was crucified, in those three days that he was in the ground, what did his disciples do? They quit. The Gospels recorded they all went back to their jobs and their employment that they had before they met Jesus. They quit. They gave up. And so would you and so would I. If you, if you had pitched your whole hope and your whole life on this amazing leader who was starting a brand new movement and his promise was eternal life, And he authenticated that promise by his claim that he was the one who could give eternal life. He was the son of God. And then you saw him die. So would your hopes. And so they went back to what they knew beforehand and they quit. For Peter and John, they went back to what they did before Jesus. They went back and started fishing. And so why their courage stands out as proof of Jesus' resurrection is because to be able to stand up before the ruling powers of their day, they saw what happened to their founder. He was arrested, he was accused falsely, and he suffered the most gruesome death. So it doesn't exactly give you a great standing upon which to follow his example, does it? But what if he proved his claims? And what if he pulled it off? And what if 
who was resurrected and you saw it. And this is the result that we see in Peter and John and the other disciples. They couldn't help themselves. They found this incredible courage and boldness. And if you saw a guy who predicted his own death and resurrection and pulled it off, you too would probably have the same courage as well. And here's the point. Courage is one of the greatest evidence of having faith in Jesus. No one had courage going up against the powers of the temple. If you went up against the powers of the temple at the time, you'd lose everything. You'd lose community. If you lost community, you'd lose your business. You could lose your family, your position, ultimately your life. The only people, the only people that have boldness to stand in front of the religious hierarchy and the political hierarchy of the day were people who were either schooled or extraordinary. Either they were the most educated people who knew all the scriptures and knew all the doctrine, or the men and women of power and position and wealth, right? You had to be schooled and you had to be extraordinary. But they didn't find their courage from being schooled or extraordinary. They were unschooled and ordinary, yet they still had incredible courage. And the courage that they displayed gave witness to their faith in Jesus. You know, thinking about this, it blew my mind because I was looking back at some of the areas of my life where I had to find courage. It's simple things, things that aren't even extraordinary, right? And once upon a time, I used to attempt, it was a dream of mine to play guitar on stage at church, right? So I got schooled. I went and learned guitar for several years. I paid money. I got a teacher. And for something as simple as finding the boldness to play guitar on stage, and if you were around in those days, I just want to apologize for the atrocious noise you had to endure back then. But, um, but I, I had to get schooled for several years in something as menial as guitar playing to find the confidence to do it. Peter went from coward, fearful, running away from a 12-year-old girl to confronting the political powers of his day boldly in a space of 50 days. How did that happen? If it took me several years to find the courage to play guitar, how do you find courage from running away to standing and confronting threats in only 50 days? Well, he found Jesus. How did Peter go from someone who was a quitter to someone who took hold of courage. And why is this important for you and I to know? Because there will be times where you and I will be tempted to quit and quit on important things or quit on an important person. We'll be tempted to throw in the towel when what is really needed isn't for you to quit, it's for you to take courage. I really felt today and at the start of this series to, to eventually lead to this moment and to recognize that life can do a number on us in so many ways. And sometimes the biggest tragedy would be that you and I would look at something that is precious or something that is important in our lives and be willing to quit on it and to throw in the towel. And do you struggle with that? Do you struggle with perseverance in your life? I know I do. Do you struggle with resilience? Do you struggle with stickability? Do you struggle with durability? Are you someone that can get through things? Or are you someone that's usually inclined to quit? Because you and I can take great hope from the example we see in Peter, from someone who is so fearful and someone who so quickly quit. I mean, I mean so quickly, matter of hours, he just quit on Jesus to then not two months later was standing in front of the hierarchies of his day with courage that astounded. The, the point we can learn from this is that courage can grow. 
boldness, did you know it can develop in you? And up until this point, you might have been someone, and even to this right now in the season of life, you've been contemplating quitting something. And maybe it's something really important. Or maybe it's someone really important. Maybe you were considering quitting on a relationship. Maybe you were considering quitting on a spouse or quitting on a kid. Maybe you were considering, for some of you, quitting on a dream that you've held, quitting on a friendship. Maybe for some of you, you're on like the verge of quitting on your faith. Here's what I want you to, here's what I just want to encourage you for a few moments, okay? Would you reconsider? And would you draw encouragement from the example of other uneducated and unextraordinary people who didn't have great talent and resource to pull on? They just had faith in Jesus, and yet that was enough for their courage and their boldness to grow. So would you reconsider and don't quit? Because this is exactly what they were tempted with, right? So here they are standing in front of the leaders of their day. They were trying to give an account for the miracle that had happened, and they were bold and courageous. And so the, the council there was deliberating, what do we do? So they send them out, and they're deliberating, what can we do? What can we do? Like, these guys are convinced that you know, Jesus is alive and they're proving it by heal, claiming they healed someone, but the whole crowd's there. They know this guy. We know this guy, but we can't tell him that. He's clearly healed. What can we do? What can we do? And so they call them back in. They call Peter and John back in and he's how the conversation goes. So they called them in again in front of the court <laughs> and they commanded, they commanded them. This is all they could do. It's all they could do. They commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. The best they could do was threaten them. They said, just... We command you, stop it. And this is how they reply back to them. Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him. And bold words. Says, you be the judges. As for us, we cannot help. This is so important. Speaking about what we have seen. We can't help. We've seen Jesus and what we have heard. So they were, they were threatening, you guys have got to quit. Stop this. And like, we can't stop. We're not going to stop. We can't quit. Their courage was demonstrated in their resolve to not quit. And this is something for all of us because often we hear the word courage or boldness and tenacity. And maybe you think that's reserved for like, you know, life and death things or something, you know, first dates or whatever. But maybe, maybe the boldness that is required from you in a season of your life, and maybe it's not now, maybe it's later on. But for some of you, it could be in the season you're in right now. Maybe the courage that you need in life is so that you would decide to not find a way out, but how do you go further in? How do you not throw in the towel, but how do you get back in the ring to not quit? I remember when I was first, I guess, um, I guess I first made up my mind to not quit anything ever. I was about 18 years of age, and obviously finding my feet as a young adult, first year out of school, you know, the world's your oyster, and I sat in a room not too dissimilar to this, and a gentleman who was in his late, eight, late 70s at the time, he was speaking on stage like this, and many of you might be familiar with his name. His name is Tommy Barnett. He's a um, pastor from the United States, and first I was just impressed because this guy was like in his 70s and still running marathons every year, so I was like, that guy, what a boss. Um, and then, but he gets up. Now, I don't remember any of his points of his message. I don't remember any of his illustrations. I don't remember any of the scriptures. I don't remember any funny stories or nothing. 
All I remember is his message, what he, the, th- the theme, and it was simply this, don't quit. Now, it's all good for it to come from, like me, I'm like, I'm not even 35 yet, and you can be sitting there going, that's great, Johnny, you just, you haven't been through everything I've been through. I agree. So that's what I'm trying to appeal to you where I learned this from. It's a guy in his 70s who'd been through an awful lot in his life. And so his conclusion, he got, it was a room full of young pastors, and he goes, here's what I want to say to you. Don't quit. Make up your mind right now that you will not be a quitter. So don't quit. <laughs> and then he says something that just sealed the deal for me. He goes, when you make up your mind that you will never be a quitter, then the feeling of wanting to quit, you can enjoy. <laughs> I was hoping some of you would see the humor in that. I thought it was hilarious. He's like, if, if you've made up your mind, you're never going to quit. Then those days where you want to quit, enjoy it. It's like a free holiday. You can imagine life on the other end of you quitting and how easy and how wonderful it will be stress-free. He goes, you can fully enjoy those moments guilt-free because you know you're not going to quit. So just enjoy the feeling of wanting to quit. I have enjoyed that feeling many a time in my life, right? Because I know I won't. Here's the thing. I might fail, but I won't quit. I might stumble, I won't quit. I'll definitely disappoint people, but I won't quit. I'll come last, but I won't quit. I might get fired, but I won't quit. I'll upset people, but I won't quit. No matter how hard, how discouraged, how painful, make up your mind that you won't quit. One of Chloe Meyer's favorite show on Netflix uh, is Chef's Table. I don't know if some of you are familiar with that show. It's, it's, a, it's a, like a show that does kind of mini documentaries on some of the most amazing restaurants and chefs around the world. And as much as we love it for that sake, it's we sit there with a meal and we'll just, like, we love it. And then we feel bad. Like, how come we can't make food as good as theirs? But we just enjoy it. And we, we watch this. It maybe makes our food taste better because you're watching something. But um, we just love it because it's the most amazing, these kind of little boutique, like, restaurants all around the world. It's amazing stuff. We watch it for that. But, but the, the thing that keeps us coming back to the show, there's a unique, the unique common denominator in all the stories. They're from different countries, different foods, different philosophies of restaurants and everything. But the one thing they have in common, all these stories is that every single one of them had a million opportunities to quit on their dream. A million. Like all of them came from nothing and they were nobodies and they were just someone who had some random idea and everyone said, it's not going to work, kid. It's not going to work, kid. Wrong industry, quid. No one will buy that. No one will eat that. It won't work. And they just, they just didn't stop. Like that, that was it. They all, they'll all have different secrets. You've got to remember this. But the, the one thing they all had in common was they just chose. I will not quit. And I am so grateful they didn't quit because they would have robbed the world of a unique secret and talent that they had. And I want to say to you, 
Don't quit because you might rob your community or rob your family or rob people around you or rob this church or rob this city on something that only you can bring to the table. So don't quit. In fact, one of the most unique stories that we heard in this was a, um, an Italian guy by the name of Massimo Batura. And he was brought up in the town of Moderna. And if you are Italian here, don't take offense to my accents. I too am Italian, right? I got bullied in school for my Italianism. So I'm with you, okay? But so, so it's so funny because he grew up in this classic, traditional little Italian town and had all its traditions and its culinary traditions souped in hundreds and hundreds of years of their nonnas making the pasta how they want it, right? But he had a dream to do it differently. And man, you'd think, oh, surely that's not radical. If you know Italians and you know nonnas, right, and they're cooking, right, they got passed down from their nonnas, 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 nonna. So it is the gravest sin to change up the family recipe, okay? So, but he dared to in the city of Moderna, which was known for its tradition and its cooking, okay? So he was persecuted by every nonna in town, right? No, seriously, <laughs> local newspapers, media, there were many protests, like, don't open your restaurant. But he was like, no way, like, I'm going to do it, you know? Whoa, I'm brave. So he opens it. And ever since its opening, it has been in the top five restaurants on the planet every single year, every year. Can you imagine if he listened to the doubters? Can you imagine if he paid attention to the criticism? Can you imagine if when he was going through seasons that we all do of considering quitting, imagine if he just decided, okay, I quit. What would have forever left dormant? Now, again, that's just one, you know, there's obviously tons of stories. I didn't want to lean into just motivating or something. I wanted to find something within our faith in Jesus that can can lead us to this conviction, but it's worth asking the question, why do we quit? The truth is we get tired, we get discouraged, we get worn out, deflated, defeated, we get fearful, anxious, worried, and sometimes even wounded. In fact, if the stats have anything to say about the nature of us in the not-too-distant future, our mental health will be the number one contributing factor to all illnesses and diseases on the planet, which means boldness and confidence is needed in our lives more than ever. And the good news is you can tap into it for free. And there is boldness found on the end of putting your trust in Jesus. That won't come from getting educated. That might not come from getting a better position. Peter and John, they were unschooled, ordinary men, but they had great courage because they had been with Jesus. Take note that even Jesus himself was tempted to quit. When Jesus arrived in Jerusalem, the week of his impending death, as he was there in the Gospel of John, it records that there are some uh, Gentiles, some Greek men who wanted to see Jesus. They weren't Jewish. They weren't from Israel. And Jesus knew the moment the Gentiles, the non-Jews, started asking for him, he was like, my time has come then. He knew that was a sign that because Jesus wasn't just dying for Israel, he was dying for the world. And the moment the world started knocking on his door, he was like, it's time. So he knew what was waiting for him. He knew the time for him to do the most courageous thing on the planet and to freely and willingly sacrifice his life for sinners. 
This is his response. And John records it. And John, who was obviously there, who was eyewitness of Jesus. John was there with Peter when they stood in front of the council being courageous. John looked back at what he learned from his time with Jesus when he was tempted to quit. And he has had Jesus dialogues. So this is just after Jesus knows that his time to lay down his life was upon him. Look what he said. This is amazing words from Christ. Jesus said, now my, my soul is troubled. All right, and many of you, some of you might even be like this right now in your life. That's why you're considering quitting. You're troubled. It's like inside of you. There's an anxiety. There's a worry. There's a stress. Jesus said, my soul is troubled. And he poses this question. He goes, so what shall I say? And what do you and I say when our soul is troubled? Or what do you do? Or where do you turn? Or what do you pray? And he poses the question. He goes, what should I say? And he, and he asks this question. Should I say? Should I pray? Father, would you, would you save me? Would you save me from this hour? And he poses this question as an option for when his soul is troubled. What do you and I do when our soul is in trouble? What do you do? And when you find yourself tempted to quit, you've got to wonder, what is the daring decision in that moment? What's the decision that requires courage and boldness? Well, I find it helps when I ask the question, why is my soul troubled? Why has this affected me so much? Why has this caused me to even consider walking out on them or quitting that or giving up and quitting? Why is my soul troubled? Ask the question. And if you find yourself answering the question, well, it's because I've got, I don't have clean hands. I feel like I've done so many wrong things here and I made so many bad mistakes and I'm about to be found out and I might as well leave before I get booted out. Maybe that's the conclusion you come up with. You realize I've done some bad things and I'm going to get out while the going is good. Or maybe when you ask the question why your soul is troubled is because for you, you might feel like that you got into whatever you got into with the wrong agenda and the wrong heart and the wrong motive. And the wrong motive will suffocate your motivation out of your heart so quickly. If you've gone in for prideful reasons or arrogant reasons or self-serving reasons, that will not serve you well in the long run. But if you find yourself asking the question, why is my soul troubled? And the answer comes back that the reason is because you've been confronted with something that is well beyond your ability and well beyond your experience and well beyond your capacity. And you've come to the end of yourself. Here's the good news. When you come to the end of yourself, you will find every time that God is there waiting for you. And when you realize and we sung about this earlier, that you have exhausted all your resources and exhausted all your experience and exhausted all your confidence and you come to the end of yourself. Right there, your heavenly Father's resource and courage and confidence and encouragement for you is just beginning. And this is exactly what we see in what Jesus says next. He goes, now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? And then he goes, no, no. It was for this very reason. Remember, it's the Gentiles that came to him, want to see Jesus. He's like, just when I'm tempted to bail and to quit, he reminded himself. He said, no, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. And so he changes his prayer. His prayer wasn't, Father, would you save me from this hour? He changed his prayer and said, Father, would you glorify your name? In other words, he was saying, Father, I don't have strength right now. My strength alone, I want to quit. So I'm praying that you get glory now, that you would step in, that you would show yourself strong. Because at the end of this, I don't want people going, wow, he's the strongest. I want people going, wow, God is 
the strongest. Wow, he was extraordinary. On people saying, wow, God is extraordinary, right? So here's the thing. Here's the thing for your life. When you learn to lean in to your heavenly father, and you've come to the end of yourself, here's what happens. God will step in and you won't get the glory. God will get the glory, right? You deciding not to quit, just choosing not to quit, invites in your heavenly father to do his thing that is well beyond your experience and well beyond your capacity. And that, my friends, is why we call it faith, because it's trust in his ability, not ours. And so if you've come to the end of your ability, you're in a good place. In fact, I am convinced if what you're doing leads you to falling to your knees, that is sometimes the safest place to be, right? I often turn to Chloe and I'm like, oh, I'm talking about something or struggling through something and I'm praying through it. And we're like, well, that's a, I guess that's good, right? We're turning to God. That's not a bad thing. And if you found yourself desperate and on your knees and turning to your Heavenly Father, maybe that's exactly the place that He desired for you all along. And when Jesus was faced with the option to be rescued or delivered, or to have a way out, he found a way to go further in. It was like, no, no, I remember the reason why I came. This is the very reason I came. I'm not bailing at this moment. This is why I signed up. This is why I put my name down. This is why I committed. This is why I started it in the first place. This is why I bothered to show up. This is why I put my hand up and said, count me in. This is why I began that business. This is why I asked her to marry me. This is why we had kids. This is why we decided to give. This is why we decided to volunteer. I have to remember why I started in the first place. And when you attempted to quit on something or quit on someone, you got to remember why you started. And I feel for some of you, you have forgotten how in love you were with that person. And before you quit on them, remember why you signed up and said, I do in the first place. And maybe you need to come back to that. And for some of you, maybe you need to remember, if you're wondering why people are walking here, they're not offended. They're, the band's about to join me in the second. <laughs> like, yeah, Johnny's just getting into it and now they're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> right? A lot of people here volunteer. I mean, the reason this community operates could people, if you have ever considered quitting volunteering, remember, it helps. Remember why you signed up in the first place because it was never for your glory anyways, right? You did it for God's glory in the first place. And if you ever wonder, I'm not getting glory, I'm going to quit. You never signed up for your glory, right? Do you realize why you married that person wasn't because your dream was, I just, my dream is that you would just make me feel awesome for the rest of my life. You married them because you wanted to make their dreams come true. You married them because you wanted to make them feel awesome for the rest of their life, right? So when you attempted to quit, remember why you started in the first place. Good things. Okay. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Don't quit when it's hard. Don't quit when it's uncomfortable. Don't quit when you're afraid. Don't quit when you've failed. Don't quit when you've fallen over. Don't quit when it hurts. <laughs> Don't quit on your loved ones. Don't quit on your potential. Please don't quit on your influence and your credibility. Don't quit on your convictions and don't quit on your promises. Don't quit. And when you make up your mind, and it's a daring decision, it's so daring because essentially deciding not to quit is going, well, I'm all in. I'm going further in, not further out. I'm not looking for a way out. I'm looking for a way in. When you make up your mind to not quit, that's the biggest game changer. You start finding reserves of courage and reserves of boldness that you never knew you had. 
you'll find that you have a strength that perhaps previously has always gone untapped in your life. You might discover that you have more durability and stickability and resolve and resilience than you ever knew that you had. But you'll only discover that on the other side of the most daring decision you can make to not quit. So Peter and John standing in front of the court, being bold about their witness, being courageous. They got threatened. Stop speaking anymore in the name of Jesus. And because they couldn't do anything more to him, they released him. And here's how the story concludes. It says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, back to the other Jesus followers. And they reported all that had happened in court, all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, when they heard the report of the threats, when they heard the reports of the commandments and telling them to give up on this and to quit and to no longer preach about Jesus, or you'll be thrown out of the temple or you'll lose your footing, or maybe even what happened to Jesus will happen to you too. When they heard this, all the people, their own people, they raised their voices together. And before we go to see what they prayed here, what would you pray? When they heard about the threats, when they heard about the opportunity to throw in the talent to quit in such an early stage in this Jesus movement, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. What would you pray? What do you pray in those moments? When you're ready to quit, what comes out of your mouth when you turn to God? Maybe you're someone that's never turned to God in those moments. This could be the first time your curiosity has even been piqued to consider doing this. What, what should we pray and what do we learn from the first Christian's courage. This is what they prayed. They said, Lord, would you consider their threats, the threats of the ruling, ruling authorities, and enable your servants, meaning themselves, would you enable us to speak your word with great boldness? Their prayer, when they were faced with threats, when they were faced with potential violence and losing everything, this is amazing. The prayers were not, God, would you make us safe? The prayers were, would you make us bold? They prayed the daring prayer. I mean, <laughs> if I was in their shoes, I'd be tempted to pray, God, would you strike my enemies with lightning, right? Would you remove the danger from me? Would you rid me of my enemies? But they prayed the bold prayer. They said, God, would you make us bold? So what do you pray when you're faced with the opportunity to quit? What comes out of your mouth? You're praying, God, would you rescue me? God, would you give me a way out? Or you asking and praying the bold prayer, God, would you help me go further in? Would you help me to be resilient? Would you help me to be strong? Would you help me to be courageous? Would you help me to be bold? Would you help me to last? Would you give me great grace that is beyond what I've got? I need you. There is a prayer that St. Augustine, who is a... A uh, religious philosopher 400 years after Christ, amazing guy, wrote a whole lot of incredible literature. And one of his most powerful prayers has encouraged me to no extent in life. It's this. He says, ask not for a lighter load, but for stronger shoulders. I have lost count how much I've prayed this prayer in my life. And what I've learned through practicing this kind of prayer, not for a lighter load, God, rescue me from this. But God, would you give me what I need for this? I found the more I've prayed that, the more I realized that God is perhaps less interested in changing things and he's more interested in changing me. 
and he's more interested in growing me. And I have a suspicion that that's his heart for you too. And when our prayers might so quickly be the easy prayers, God, would you change things? What if you changed your prayer and made the daring prayer and you pray, God, you need to change me in this. Would you make me into the person that is required to not quit this? So, Here's this week's daring decision. If you're considering quitting in an area in your life, or maybe one day you come face to face with the temptation to quit, I want you to remember this daring decision. I want you to pray a different prayer. Pray a different prayer. Instead of save me, maybe pray change me. Instead of make me safe, maybe pray, God, would you make me bold? Here's the other point. You notice is when Peter and John, they went back, as we read that scripture just then, they went back to their own people. They went back to the other Jesus followers. And together, together they prayed for boldness. And my question I want to leave with you is this. When you're considering quitting something, who do you go to? Who do you pour your heart out to? Who do you share your grievances with? Because the last thing you need when you're considering quitting is someone that's just going to reaffirm your fears and feed your anxieties and remind you of your insecurities. Like Peter and John, you need to go to the people who are going to remind you of who your God is and how strong your God is and what your God has said about you. And it stirs you to pray not safe prayers, but to pray bold prayers and courageous prayers and prayers that remind us of how strong God is, that God is, that God is the way maker is able to do what we could never do on our own. And that's our prayer and our heart for this community, that you would find this community here at Sunco's Church. Would be, we'd be that kind of people. We wouldn't be those that feed one another's insecurities or fears where people quit and throw in the towel and gossip. We'd be the opposite of that. We'd be a community of people that would encourage one another, that would give each other boldness, that would remind each other when someone else has forgotten the faithfulness of God, that we'd be people that would pray with bold prayers, not safe prayers. So as much as our first daring decision is to pray a different prayer. I also want you to remember this. Maybe your daring decision is to pray with different people. And I want to pray that you'd be that kind of person too. So what I'd like to do in our remaining four minutes together is I want us to do that right now and to create a moment where we can pray together and we can lean into God together. So could I ask for a moment, we stand to our feet and our band's going to sing and maybe you're considering quitting. Come on, for this moment, maybe you've got to pray, change your prayers. Come on, maybe you need to lean into your Heavenly Father just for a moment and be reminded of what He's able to do and who He said He is. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by what you heard and inspired to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. Hope you can join us again on the next podcast or here at Suncoast Church.